Coming up on Net at Night, we dig into Chrome OS, find out whether it's something you might want to experiment with, look at the new Facebook profile pages, and most importantly, figure out how to budget before we waste all that money during the holidays from the founder of Mint.com. It's all coming up on Net at Night. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Audio bandwidth for Net at Night is provided by Winamp for Android, the ultimate media player for your desktop and Android device, featuring wireless sync. Download it free at winamp.com slash Android. Video bandwidth for Net at Night is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. It's time for Net at Night with Amber MacArthur and Tom Merritt, episode 180, recorded December 7th, 2010, Mint.com. Net at Night is brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to night.hover.com. And by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash night. It's time for Net at Night from Petaluma, California. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Amber MacArthur from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hey, Amber. How's it going? It's going very well. It's uh, getting a little cold in Toronto. There is uh, a bit of snow on the ground. People are gearing up for the holidays. And uh, it's fun to have you on the show. We've never done a show together. I know. What am I doing here? Uh, Leo's in <laughs> France. And so somebody had to hang out. Uh, it, it's I a pleasure. Th thanks for letting me uh, hang out with you. No, I think it'll be lots of fun. You know, there's tons of news uh, to talk about. Um, you know, sometimes on the show, I feel like, okay, I can never find anything or I'm scrambling to get things for last, kind of last minute. But uh, today it was only a matter of uh, having too much stuff, I think. Thank Google for that. <laughs> Yes, thank Google. So uh, our first headline this week is about Google's Chrome event, uh, their announcement of the the OS and uh, the web store. So as far as I can tell, the OS is rolling out on devices uh, mid-2011, and the Chrome store, I believe, is online at some point today. It's there. It's there right now. It's there. Okay. Yeah. If you go there in Firefox, though, it tells you you need to download Google Chrome to install the apps, but you can still shop <laughs> around. You can actually still buy the apps in Firefox. They'll show up. When you go to Chrome, though, you won't actually be able to install them. Oh, that's too funny. So what do you think of the announcement? Uh, th this is interesting. I would love to play around with the Chrome OS because uh, if people don't know, it is essentially a browser turned into an operating system. So they took Chrome uh, and they, they essentially built a very small operating system. They want it to start up very fast. You'll have web apps instead of external apps. You'll be able to have offline access to most of them. Uh, but the idea is that you're connected all the time, and the Chrome OS devices will all come with 3G built in. I think this is one of the most interesting parts about it. They're taking a small page from the Kindle and a small page from things like the iPad. So there's no contracts, no plans. You uh, get 100 megabytes free data every month. And then you can buy access either as a day at a day, an unlimited day pass is 10 bucks, which is a little expensive. Uh, or you can buy by the gigabyte and just do a prepaid sort of uh, situation. So the, what they're trying to say is this is a netbook. This is not their tablet operating system. Mm -hmm. This is not their phone operating system. You're going to use this on the go with a keyboard and a screen and, and use the Internet and have the Internet almost everywhere you are. I think it's fascinating. I think, I think the Chrome 
web app store doesn't make any sense on my desktop machine at all. Why would I do that? Why do I need to install web apps? They're just links to browsers. But in the situation of Chrome OS, where my browser is my operating system, it, it does it make makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it'll catch on? Um, I don't know. I think it will. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things with Google where I feel as though almost almost everything, maybe 95% of what they roll out, I seem to uh, find some place for it in my life, <laughs> even though I don't intend to do that. So, so even in some Orchid? ways, I just... Uh, no, not Orchid. And there's like Wave, for example, is or another wave. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, it just fell flat for me. But, but I know what you mean. I, I, use a, I use Docs, I use Gmail, I use I a ton of their stuff. Yeah, but I never really, you know, I never really plan to use all of their different products. But the reality is they're so simple to use. They integrate so nicely. And so at the end of the day, you know, more and more I'm finding myself where um, I live inside the Google world. So for me, I could see myself easily, um, you know, the web store, not so sure, but um, easily uh, getting one of the devices with the OS on it and just loving it because I'm so used to that environment anyway. Does that frighten you, though, how much you depend on Google? Uh, it does, especially when I feel as though it's happened um, so quickly without me <laughs> thinking about it. So um, it, in the sense that I, I just feel as though I, I start to, you know, you know, I like one new tool and then I start using another. And then all of a sudden I'm using maybe six different Google products and everything's in there. You know, my calendar, my Gmail, Docs, all of my content, all of my personal information, just because, like I said, they play so nicely together. So uh, it scares me a little bit. You know, I've had some conversations with some people... Um, who are convinced that Google is the big evil company. I don't know how you feel about that. But uh, um, for me, I, I still have an element of trust with them. But uh, we'll I think I happens. trust them for now. I, you know, for the now. problem with any kind of corporation like that is you don't know who's going to be in charge making the decisions and running them in the future. Uh, and, and I, you know, there, there's a different, Eric Schmidt runs the company now. Larry and Sergey are still there pressuring him to do certain things and he pressures back to do other things and i'm not saying any of those three are evil but there's a certain balance at google that's different than it was in the earlier days uh and and it's going to be different in the future as well just i mean it's it's not as writ large i guess as apple is dependent on steve jobs once he goes away that company changes dramatically but you've got a lot of your private information in a private company that acts like a country sometimes. I mean, they negotiate with China. I know. Uh, I know. Who can, who can control them in the end if they decide not to be controlled? Exactly. So I think in some ways you have to be prepared uh, for, there could be a time in the future where, um, you know, they do have all the information. Hopefully they wouldn't do anything with it. But uh, I think more and more as uh, we spend more of our lives on online and use more tools like Google products and Facebook, I think we all need to kind of understand that, uh, you know, nothing we're putting out there is private. So for me, I almost want to go back to letter writing if I actually needed to write something that needed to be truly confidential because, um, you know, we've seen it with WikiLeaks. You know, yeah, the, the yeah. digital world isn't a place for people um, maybe to uh, put too much confidential information and uh, put private um, information about themselves. I mean, the same thing applies to Facebook. I have cousins who are 13 and 15 years old, and they sometimes put their phone numbers and their home address on Facebook and don't even think about it. But I think we need to, you know, get people to start to uh, sort of stop doing that, I should say. They are trying to tout the security of Chrome OS. Uh, they say it'll be seamlessly updated, so you'll never be lacking a patch. It's going to be like Chrome browser. It's always updating. Uh, and all user data is encrypted, and only you can get to it. So as long as somebody doesn't crack your password, even if they have your, your Chrome OS device and you're not logged in, they can't get at your data. 
At least that's the theory. That's we'll see how it plays out in practice. Uh, and it's synced across the network, right? So this is where the Google hugeness comes in handy. Uh, if you are on someone else's Chrome OS device, you can log in as yourself and get all your apps and all your data. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that would be useful. I mean, even with Google Chrome, I use it all the time, and now I have a really hard time going into another browser. I was just uh, with some people yesterday, and a couple of people were using Internet Explorer, and I, you know, I, I jumped onto Internet Explorer, and I just felt, you know, it was such a foreign, awful place to be. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed Chrome back. Which right version, away. though? Which version of IE was it? I, it's an older version. Yeah. Okay. So not six, I hope. It hadn't been updated. I don't Ugh. know exactly what it was, but I mean, That's everything was broken when you looked on it. You know, yeah. uh, Twitter, all the images were broken. Nothing worked. You can't watch videos. And um, so immediately I was like, okay, you need to you need to get Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> you need to fix this. Uh, Do you use uh, pretty, Chrome? Is that your, your primary browser? Yeah, it is. But, you know, I've talked to Leo about this before. I'm one of those people where I have Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. And there are times when I kind of bounce between them. Uh, I don't know why. It just uh, it just happens. You know, I may just open one and then try another. Or I have Firefox extensions that I like to use. Uh, and so I, I have all three of them. But I think Chrome is really has become my primary browser. What about you? I use Firefox still. Um, okay. But then I'm also the guy that was using the Mozilla Communicator suite up until 2004 when they discontinued it and turned it into sea monkeys. <laughs> so once I get in a browser and I get it customized the way it. I want, yeah, I kind of want to just keep going that way. And there's no reason to leave Firefox. I mean, it has its disadvantages, but I do use Chrome for certain things though. And it is super fast. Uh, it's, well, I, it's in that, the way Firefox was in the early days before it got more complicated. And I think as soon as, for me, as soon as I start searching in the address bar, that's where, you know, this, this one little thing, right? And now anytime I go to another browser and I, I go to Safari, I am automatically trying to search in, in the address bar. And of course it doesn't work. Uh, then I want to go back to Chrome. So there's just a couple of little things that I love that it does. And I think that uh, they kind of have me hooked. You used to be on. able to do that in, Mo in Mozilla. You used to be able to search in the browser bar. And then Firefox, you couldn't do that anymore. Because I know. now it's, they've got yeah, the, off, the awesome bar. Instead. Awesome. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, speaking of awesome, what do you think about the Facebook redesign of the profile pages? Because I have to say on Sunday night when uh, they started rolling them out, uh, I was a little bit skeptical because normally with a Facebook announcement, uh, I think, oh, this is going to take a while for them to roll it out and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a mess and the user experience, but I kind of like it. I like it. I think it looks good. I think they did the right thing in saying, you know what, this time, we're not going to force anyone into it. We're going to try to limit the number of protest pages. And we're going to say you can have it when you want it. Exactly. Of course, so you can't go smart back, of them. But yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right. It was so smart of them to allow people to go and get it. And uh, one of the things that happens in Canada and I'm sure other countries is that the U.S. will get uh, some new features from Facebook or many of the other uh, tech companies out there. And so we have to wait a little bit longer to get them. But what I, was nice for me is that you know, Sunday night you had the option to go to the link and um, you know check it out, see what features uh, the new profile pages had as far as the redesign, and then give it a try right away. And uh, I think it looks good. Um, at first, I was a little bit worried about the tagged photos that appear at the top of your page where people are tagging you in pictures mm -hmm. and uh, then they be, they're so prominent on your profile page uh, but it, it's nice to know you can quickly just kind of hide them and get rid of them so if you don't like something that someone's tagged you in yeah but right because anybody it, could tag you in anything 
I know, I know. And, and so that was, a, a, I thought, a little bit of an issue, but uh, it, do, it does look good. There's a few other things I like about it um, as well. Um, I think on the left-hand side, just, you know, accessing your wall and updating your status from there. Um, and uh, I think it makes it a little bit easier in some senses to control your privacy, even when you're updating to your wall. So there's a few things that uh, I think they've done well. I know some people love it. Some people hate it, like anything with Facebook. You can, you can, you can update your status from the left side. Well, when you go to your wall and yeah. uh, you click on the wall and then you have your status update right there, it, 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 it comes up on the page. Oh, I see, um, I see. And then with your status update, of course, you can manage who that message goes out to. And, and we all know with Facebook, privacy has been an issue for um, a long yeah. time now. Um, and I, again, I was also worried because of the images that you're tagged in those coming up at the top of your page. You know, what if you couldn't get rid of them? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, fortunately, like I said, you can hide those too. I, somebody uh, had written an article, and I don't remember who, saying that you should be careful now that all of your 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 information is written right above your below your name on your profile, you know what stuff you put in there. I don't think it's just because it's elevated on the page. It's in, in any different of a situation than it used to be. I mean, it's it's accessible one way or the other just because it's higher on the page. But I guess it it does change if you thought, oh well, most people won't see this, so I'll put it up there. Now it's mm -hmm. front and center at the top. I don't know. It says add languages you speak to this. Uh, that's the only thing I don't have that it's making me, you know, or not making me, but suggesting that I add. That you add. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, with the, your information being front and center, I think that's actually a good thing because I found that the way that the profile pages used to be, um, it used to be a little bit cumbersome to get information about someone. You'd have to kind of scroll down further on the page, but I kind of like how it's attached, you know, directly beside the person's profile image. So you can get just a glimpse of who they are, what, what they do, you know, maybe where they went to school or any other content or information. But if you have any reason to want to hide that information, you know, again, maybe you don't want to be on Facebook at all. I'm, I'm extremely <laughs> excited that the post Poking is, is higher up on the page. I think that's very important. What? Does anyone poke anyone anymore? I shouldn't say this because I'm going to get poked. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it leads to all kinds of hilarious out-of-context quoting. But uh, I, I just don't understand why it's even there at all. And they made it like, well, we got to make sure that's up there. And I don't know if I read this on Sunday, but was it Zuckerberg who said that poking still needs to be there and it needs to be prominent? That was, I, I think I read Must somewhere that... Must be his pet he, thing? I don't know. He just thinks that, you know, maybe that's one of the ways they sort of uh, um, grew and became so popular because people love to poke each other. But I think people are, are phasing that out a little bit, or I would hope so. I do like how in the info section for your interest, it pulls in images. I thought that was kind of neat. So if you have your favorite TV shows yeah, or, that's nice. uh, or musicians, um, that's kind of nice. I mean, it just looks, it looks a bit, a lot richer, I think, when you arrive on someone's page. Um, Although the reality is, this is kind of ironic because uh, if you think about it, and I, I know this is a stat that comes directly from Facebook, most people don't necessarily go to people's pages that often. They're really just consuming all the information within their news feeds, right? <laughs> so yeah. This is just kind of a, an egotistical uh, thing in some ways to make your page look nice because um, when you're updating your status, you know, people aren't always necessarily coming back to your profile page. What are you talking about? I, I, everyone's always interested in my political views and my music <laughs> and my books. And all the pictures you've been tagged in. I find yes. myself now with the face, new Facebook redesign. I'm going to my profile page and just seeing, oh, did someone else tag me in a photo? You know, and if it's a bad photo, I get rid of it. And well, you know what? Sort of this may be more for you, you know, as, as the person who owns your profile than anyone else. It makes you want to play with it more. 
keeps yeah, you on the Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it makes you a little bit more engaged and, and uh, those pictures become more prominent. And it's so funny because someone asked me this. They said, well, what if I don't want to be tagged in any photos? How do I stop from being tagged? And I said, well, I, th I think you can do that, but I'm not really sure. And uh, I think it was last night or the night before I went through all of the privacy settings. And boy, do they ever still make it difficult to manage things like that. They're and, just complicated, yeah. It's just complicated. I mean, you can do that. You can turn off uh, settings so that no one sees photos you're tagged in uh, except for you. You would be the only person. Um, and I don't know why you would want to see them if you didn't want anyone else to see them. Nonetheless, uh, you can do that and you can select uh, certain people who you want to be able to see your photos. Uh, but it's buried in all of their privacy settings. So you have to dig a little bit to get to that information, unfortunately. I, um, one thing that, that doesn't work for me too well, I don't have, there's no image for Twit. There's no image for tech TV and there's no image for Greenville High School. So my education and work section looks very boring. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, it did. so can you yeah, I don't pull know if you in can, an image for Twit? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I can edit that somehow. I guess I'd have to edit the, the Twit page, the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, the company page that it creates for that. But And yeah. pull up something there. Yeah, hmm, interesting. All right. So also, oh, you're, yeah. you're Cyloning a little. I'm what? You're, you're, you, we got some static on your, uh. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. No, it went away. It was. It went away? Yeah. Maybe it was, I, maybe, I don't know what I did. I probably hit something. I tend to talk with my hands, so I'm probably hitting the mic and wires and everything, yeah. <laughs> which is why every time I do a test with Leo, it's like something goes wrong because I'm always moving around. It was probably uh, the static from people freaking out the tumbler went down. Oh my goodness. Uh, so this was so funny. I was doing a workshop yesterday with a group and uh, one of the things that we we're going to do is build a Tumblr blog because that's an easy thing to do and really shows people that blogging is so simple. Uh, and so I have this whole section built out of we're going to build a Tumblr blog. And uh, Sunday night I start looking, it's down. I keep looking later in the night, it's down, it's down. In the morning, it's still down. So uh, scrap that part of the workshop. But it was it was offline for a long time. Uh wasn't quite 24 hours, was it? But it was it was close, close, close to an entire yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's one of those things where everyone who had Tumblr was seriously frustrated because they use it all the time. The people who don't use Tumblr were like, wait, why, what, who cares? You yeah. know, it's one of those you're either in or you're out. And it's horrible if you're in because you depend on it. It, it reminds yeah. me of Twitter in the early days when not that many people used Twitter and Twitter would go down and people I would know. freak out and everyone else who didn't use Twitter was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, but we, I mean, at least with Twitter, they had a little fun with the uh, uh, error message that you would get with the whole fail will and everything. But uh, you think Tumblr needs uh, a better uh, fail? I think, well, if they're going to go down for that long, yeah. you know, they need something because they probably I don't, don't plan to go down for that long. Is the thing. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, I don't remember Twitter ever going down for that long. I mean, I remember hours not out of for time, that long. but I. Yeah. Not for almost 24. I mean, it was pretty significant. And even though I think we think, okay, people who are using Tumblr, a lot of early adopters, a lot of the geeks, uh, the group I was speaking to yesterday, there was a few people who use Tumblr and they're all in education. So they're teachers. So it's used a lot um, in that specific uh, industry. So uh, I think it affected quite a few people. I like it. Stewie but in the chat room suggests the down clown. Oh yeah, a clown with a sad face when Tumblr is not online. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> well, instead of uh, actually building a Tumblr blog, we did a flavors.me page, which was uh, equally as fun, I would argue, and even quicker for the average person to do. So it still worked out nonetheless. Um, and uh, Tumblr's back online, so we can report that. And Mashable has a, uh, a how-to up to how to back up your Tumblr blog just in case you freak out next if it goes down again and you're worried that you're going to lose your data. The, the folks at Tumblr were very quick to say, look, you're, we're going to back up your data. We're going to protect your data. Don't worry about that. If we're just inaccessible, you haven't lost your stuff. But there are there's a backup app for OS 10 
if if you want to that comes from Tumblr. That's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people will want to do that. And I don't know if it's just me, Tom, but Tumblr seems to just be growing so quickly in popularity. Uh, I read an article not that long ago that talked about it being one of the big web services for 2011. And we're kind of, you know, it's uh, definitely, uh, um, as far as growth, it's just been uh, expanding really quickly over the past few months. It seems to be surging, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's like I hear about it in waves where a bunch of people are using Tumblr and then, then it levels off for a while and then a bunch more people. But yeah, it seems to be on the rise for sure. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, I still don't have a Tumblr blog, but uh, I'm a terrible blogger, actually. I don't know if I need one. <laughs> I have one, but I don't use it. Um, I just, I, I, I haven't ever you got sucked in. Maybe, maybe if I tried, I'd probably get sucked in. It happened to yeah. me with Twitter, where I, I started it I uh, in, I don't remember what, 2006. I didn't use it for like three months. Then I went back and tried it again on purpose. Like, oh, I'm going to try this Twitter thing out. And then I, I haven't stopped since. Yeah, I understand completely. Yeah. You know, Twitter is one of these things too. It's so funny because I used to, you know, if you, I wanted to unwind at the end of a really busy day, I would sit down in front of the television, maybe watch a little TV or watch the news, whatever it might be. Now, when, you know, my son's asleep, he's almost two and everybody in the house he's is going to bed. He's almost two now? Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm sorry. I know, it's crazy. crazy. I can't not believe it. Um, my favorite thing to do is to, you know, cuddle up in a corner on my couch and uh, grab a blanket and get my laptop and go on Twitter and just talk to people and see what's going on. And it's such a social thing. You know, I don't even watch TV anymore, but I think because of Twitter. <laughs> I wonder uh, how many of the tattooed man's URLs will be Tumblr URLs. Oh. Isn't this so funny? So uh, we talked a little bit about Quebec before the show started. Uh, Montreal is a wonderful place. And this guy, Patrick, um, who is doing this interesting project where he wants to break a world record uh, for the most web addresses on any body. He's planning to tattoo 100,000 internet addresses on his body by next summer. Companies will uh, be donating to get their web address uh, um, as one of the tattoos. Uh, And when you say donating, does it go to a charity? Yeah, it's going to a charity. So he's raising money for charity, which is it's a great cause. So he has about six more months to uh, reach his goal. 100,000 web addresses. I mean, Ow. I can't even fathom tattooing this. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. I mean, I'm glad he's doing it for charity, but I just, it, the number is just so phenomenal. It's hard to believe. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not a person. I don't know about you. But I don't have any tattoos. I think they're cool. I don't have anything against them either, but uh, I, I haven't done it. So maybe it's not as bad as it sounds, but man, that just sounds like a lot Awful. of prick, prickly needles. I don't like that. I'm, a little, I'm like you too. For me, I don't have any tattoos. And for me, it's one of those things where if I don't need to go near needles, I don't. You know, I wouldn't voluntarily decide that, oh, I want to go get a tattoo. And it just seems too painful. Um, and when you get to 100,000 web addresses on your body, it seems kind of like a weird type of torture. <laughs> Plus, it's just really hard to read those, that many, you know. Yeah, not, really how, how do you make your tattoo that you've donated stand out? I know that's a bit of a problem too. I mean, does he have to go naked if you pay more money because you can't see it and it's in a weird place? I have no idea. Um, but his website is backtothelight.com and that's the number two. And uh, you can check out uh, what he's doing. You can also see um, what his plans are for the next six months and some of the charities he's raising money for. So, you know, uh, a great, great initiative. Uh, hard to believe, uh, but uh, hopefully he reaches his goal. You know, if you've got a uh, URL, you're thinking, gosh, I, I would like to have that tattooed on Patrick, but I don't own the URL yet. Hover 
is a great place to go and uh, register a domain name, and they, they're helping bring you Net at Night. Uh, it's domain registration made simple. They don't sell you a ton of services. They just focus on making it easy to register that domain name, whether you want it tattooed on anyone's body or not. Uh, <laughs> Just go to night.hover.com. They have a no-hold policy for customer service calls. Uh, from Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, when you call, you get a live person, and uh, they can set up email addresses, forward email addresses, redirect your domains to other website addresses, create URL extensions, set privacy controls, and more. Uh, just enter the name of the URL you want to transfer. Hover gives you the next steps. They have videos to help you through all of this as well. Uh, Hover domain transfers are free. They do charge $10 to extend the domain registration one year past its current expiration date. Uh, how Hover gives who is privacy for free, though. That's a nice addition as well. And for many people who usually purchase domain price, privacy with all their domains, that means you're going to actually pay less with Hover. So uh, check it out. Use the offer code NIGHT at night.hover.com. That's H-O-V-E-R.com. Uh, and uh, we thank Hover for their support of Net at Night. It it's is. a very cool service. It's awesome. I love Hover. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've started using it, and it's great. Uh, it's yeah, it's really so simple friendly. to use. Time exactly. for the site of the night. What do we got? Okay, so for our site of the night, we have a site called Tweet Wrap, and I just read about this on Mashable. It's kind of a fun project, and it looks from the website like Samsung is behind it. Uh, the idea here being that uh, you can print uh, wrapping paper for the holidays that uh, has some of your favorite tweets on it. Uh, a fun, uh, creative idea. Um, and for the first, I think, 3,000 people who go and do this on the site, they actually send you a free roll of uh, Christmas paper. Nice. Uh, I don't know if they've reached that already. Um, but, uh, you know, I can imagine people doing this. Uh, I also saw uh, when I was reading this article, there was another article that uh, said that there were people who were creating wrapping paper with QR codes, uh, kind of a creative idea where, you know, when you put your phone over the QR code, it may send you to a certain link or a YouTube video or something. So it's, I would never have imagined that our Christmas wrap would have become so interactive and digital in some uh, respects, but uh, we have reached that point, Tom. So you do a, a keyword search or a username search. Is that how this works? And then it'll just exactly. pull the tweets out. So be careful. Yeah, it'll just pull them up. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> do, you get to, I know. do you get to preview them? Yeah, I think you do get to preview them, hopefully. And you can print um, your paper at home. So you can, you know, maybe it's trial and error. And you oh, try it yeah. a few times before uh, you kind of get what you want. Because you're exactly right. I mean, you can imagine there are, are times when uh, you're just, pulling stuff that you don't want to give to your mom. <laughs> I just did a search for hashtag WikiLeaks. Told me there weren't any. Oh. That's it. I wonder if TweetRap is blocking WikiLeaks. They probably are. It seems like everybody is. I don't know why days. I would want WikiLeaks on my wrapping paper anyway. No, you never know. It's pretty creative. Depends on who you're <laughs> buying, buying the present for, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So we should probably get our guest on. I'm Absolutely. Thinking, uh, yeah. He's been Aaron waiting Patrick. patiently. Uh, Excellent. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Aaron Patzer from Mint.com. Welcome to Net at Night. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I know we talked a little bit in Toronto last week about uh, Mint and uh, what you guys are doing. Um, I think both Tom and I are pretty familiar with your service, but maybe you could tell us a little bit uh, more about it for people who haven't heard too much about it yet. Sure. So Mint.com, it's a free personal finance web application. It links to 16,000 U.S. banks, credit cards, uh, brokerages, mortgages, and about 80 uh, banks in Canada, uh, credit unions in Canada. 
there just aren't that many banks in, in Canada by, by comparison. Categorizes all of your transactions for you, uh, so you see how much you have, how much you owe, how much you spent on Starbucks or on restaurants or um, the like. Uh, gives you bill reminders and alerts, shows you your investment performance, and it's a free product. Uh, we make our money if we can save our users money. So we'll say, hey, you've got $20,000 lying around, you're earning a terrible interest rate, you should move to this other bank who's gonna pay you 1% more and you'd make $200 extra a year. Or you have five student loans, you should consolidate them. Or you've got a CD expiring or a GIC, for those of you in Canada, um, you should put it over into this bank because they've got the best rate right now. So does that mean you get you get a cut of the, of that change if somebody goes, signs up for a new service is that that's how you that's your business plan then yeah we get a cut of the the, the referral fee so the mm -hmm. user doesn't yeah, pay okay. us anything they right. don't um the average user finds a, a few hundred dollars worth of savings uh the first time they log in and, and most people can find about a thousand dollars worth of savings if they look mostly because uh uh we probably picked the bank that we have when we were about 16 years old. You know, we got our first job, our mom took us to the local bank, and we haven't changed our checking and savings account since. Um, and Unless really it was a savings idea. and loan like mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you were forced to up. change at some point. <laughs> Actually, my, uh, my savings and loan didn't go bankrupt. It was one of the few that didn't go bankrupt, but it got converted into a different bank eventually. Uh, but I like this idea. Uh, it's not it's not just budgeting. It's it's helping you figure out where you can make more money too, right? That's right. Basically, uh, we tried to incorporate almost like um, a software financial advisor into the system. So we actually use some, some social aspects in a very different way. So it's more like aggregate statistics. Sometimes it'll say, you spend 87% more than the average California resident on auto insurance. Maybe now's the time to get a, a quote. Um, now, we only know certain things about you. We see what you pay for, for GEICO or for Allstate because we see those come through on your credit or your debit card. Uh, we don't necessarily know what your driving record is uh, or how many drivers you have, although we're making that change on the site very soon. So we can get within a range on things like insurance products. But for, um, for mortgages, for credit cards, for savings accounts, we can give you a very precise savings number. Now, one of the issues that I think people may have with this type of service, um, and this is nothing new, is just wondering how safe their information is on Mint. So can you give us uh, some reassurance that uh, it is in fact safe and what you do to protect people who are using it? Sure. So Mint has a uh, bank level data security. So everything is encrypted, um, both in the, your communication with Mint and then on all of our servers. Um, you don't have to take our word for it. We have outside auditing. We have, of course, the HackerSafe and VeriSign and Trusty and things like that. But we actually hire uh, routinely white knight hackers to try to break into the site. No one's ever been able to penetrate the core of our system. Um, we actually have our security review on all the code that touches uh, any financial information reviewed by um, the guys at Cryptography Research, cryptography.com. Uh, the founder there was the guy who invented SSL3, which is what, um, what we use to communicate securely on all e-commerce and all banking sites. So the world's uh, expert leading cryptographer. Um, and then we have a lot of physical security too. I like to talk about this because it's, it's kind of geek, geeky and, and fun. We like that. Our, uh, yeah. Our, our physical servers are located in an unmarked uh, facility. You won't find it on Google Maps, but it's somewhere in the Bay Area. Where is it? To, to get in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice, Tom. Tell you. Um, Just you testing. You almost had me. <laughs> 
you, you have to scan your hand to get in. Uh, you have to make it past the guards. Then you make it into this thing called a, a, a man trap. Wait, you, so have to, like, you have to scan your hand so it's like palm, oh, yeah. palm print security? Yeah, okay. exactly. And then a man yeah. trap. Yeah, the man trap. So it's a, it's a long door, that, or long corridor, where one door will not open until the the prior one shuts. So it prevents tailgating. And I always think that like you know if you're trying to fake the uh, the hand scanner, you know you've got like your latex fingerprints like in James Bond or something. Yeah, or severed hand. If, if they suspect you exactly, or a severed hand, I, it'd be hard to make it past the guards with a severed hand. But maybe you, maybe you have it in your bag. Or you just you just have if your hand up your sleeve, and then you have the severed hand <laughs> popped on top. <laughs> That that is is possibly the best way to uh, to make it to this part of the security. But if they suspect you of of such shenanigans, they will keep you in the man trap. Hence its name. Uh, then you make it into the server room. We have uh, our own cage, so we don't share it with any other uh, startups or or anybody else. It's got twenty four seven video surveillance on uh, both the power supply and the servers themselves. Inside the cage, the servers themselves, the racks are are locked. Inside the servers, the hard drives are all encrypted. We keep um, any user identifying data, like uh, even an email address, is in a separate database than um, your actual transactions and financial data, so that it's uh, hard to pair the two up. And then even if you pulled the hard drives, they're all encrypted. And to change the encryption scheme, we actually have the, uh, the encryption key broken up on five smart cards. Um, that go into a, a, a tamper-proof device, and it takes um, three of us coming together to uh, to change the encryption scheme. So it's like something out of war games. The, yeah, even I, as the founder, can't access your your information. You know, it would take me and like I'd have to like uh, conspire with at least two other internal employees and, and make cut it off someone's hand. Right. Exactly. That the hand cutting is probably one of the harder things to get through, but that—that's incredible. That's a ridiculous amount of physical security. That's—that's that's fantastic. Is that costly to maintain all of that, though? Uh, the most costly part is the the sharks with the laser beams on their head. Right. They—they—they <laughs> uh, they, they eat a lot. Severed hands. This <laughs> <laughs> is one right. way that you that you they the severed hands you appropriate for hands. people trying to get in. You can feed them. That's right. Uh, what, now, what about security on my end? Because with that amount of physical security, I'm not thinking anyone's going to get into your location very easily. But if I have a weak password, uh, you know, what kind of things do you do to encourage people not to be hacked on their own end or socially engineered? So uh, we will tell you the strength of your password when you set up an account on, on Mint. So we'll, we'll tell you uh, it's weak. Um, and then the other thing that we do, because you're right, that the most vulnerable point is, is probably not on our end in some sense. It's probably on, on your end. We uh, have a service that will monitor all of the uh, Trojans and spyware out there to see if there are any attacks uh, specific to Mint.com. And then we're part of a coalition that includes places like PayPal and, and banks and other financial institutions around the world where we uh, all contribute the IP addresses where we know malicious users or, or hackers are coming from so that everyone in the, in the network can essentially ban or closely monitor uh, that set of IP addresses. So what is, I mean, it seems like you're obviously so knowledge about, knowledgeable about all of this. What is your background? I mean, have you dealt with security before and past jobs? Because I'm just realizing I don't know a lot about you uh, before sort of the mint years. 
Oh, right. Um, so what's my bio? Well, uh, I'm 30 years old and I, I like uh, long walks on the beach. And so sounds like a dating the, show. <laughs> um, no, my background before this, I started Mint when I was 25. Uh, before that, I worked on uh, CAD tools. So um, that would be the software that's used to design microprocessors. Before that, I worked on the PlayStation 3 chip with IBM and, uh, and Sony. So I've got a few patents in there. Uh, before that, I worked on lasers and optical networking with the chief scientist of AT&T. Before that, I tried to start a, a bioinformatics company on a, a chip that I built that would do fast bioinformatics computations. Before that, I was a PhD student at Princeton, but I dropped out. Um, and then uh, I did my undergraduate work at Duke University in um, computer science, computer engineering, and uh, electrical engineering with work in genetics. Nice. Pretty good. Pretty good bio. Um, okay, so one thing I think we promised our listeners that we would talk about is because the holidays are coming up and uh, I don't know if anyone out there is like me, but I have a closet filled with things that I keep buying and uh, I keep buying gifts and I don't know who I'm going to give them to you. Um, is there a way on Mint to make sure that you have a budget for the holidays and what can you do on the site to, to save a little bit of money and uh, keep your spending under control? Definitely. So uh, Mint will link to, to all of your credit and debit cards. And so anything you put on there, or even if you spend cash, you can enter it into Mint. Um, and it'll let you set a budget on 100 different preset categories. So it can be very specific. So it's not just shopping, it's uh, clothes or shoes or, or holiday spending. And so you can set um, uh, a budget there. And as your transactions come in, it'll categorize them, check it against your budget, send you a text message, an iPhone alert, an Android alert if, uh, if you're coming too close to your budget or if you've exceeded. And so it's a, um, a relatively easy and painless way to do holiday budgeting. Uh, as far as what you should budget, we recommend about half of a, one, uh, of a two week uh, paycheck. So about one week's worth of salary. For the average uh, American or, or Canadian, that would be about $1,200 a year um, for, for your holiday spending. Um, and so that 1200 should include your gifts, presents, your bottles of wine that you take to parties, uh, travel decorations, um, basically everything related to the, to the holidays. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get yourself into trouble um, in January. Uh, January sort of 15th through 25th or when everyone gets their credit card statements from the holidays. They not coincidentally happen to be Mint's biggest uh, weeks of the year. We, we sign up well over 100,000 people a week at that time. It's wow. kind of like so, the budgetary uh, hangover. Like, yeah. I've got to figure is. this out soon. You know, and then, then they run to, to folks like you. Now, I, you know what? I, I have a question here, too. I, I have Quicken. Uh, and I know that Intuit is now, mm -hmm. are they, do they own Mint or are they partner with Mint? How did, what's the, uh, they own Mint. So Mint was started okay. back in 2007 um, and it operated for about two years. We got to about 1.7 million users. Then Intuit bought us. We're now at about four and a half million users in uh, the U.S. And um, happy to announce we're, we're at about 12,000 users about uh, five days into Canada. Uh, so that's uh, starting to take Excellent. off. Um, yeah. I, I imagine we'll have a few hundred thousand Canadians by uh, uh, the next six months. As a Quicken user, uh, how best can I combine these to to make the ultimate financial budgeting planning machine 
Yep. So I actually run the personal finance group here at Intuit, uh, which is both Mint and Quicken, uh, Mint online and, and Quicken for the, the desktop uh, app. Quicken will do um, most of the same budgeting that uh, Mint does. So you can see what your income is going to be, what you're going to have in your credit card statement, budget for each category, and then it'll show you what the savings that you're targeting is, if you can even save money uh, during the holidays, which is, uh, which is tough. Tough, I'm sure. Um, all right, so if people want to sign up, what do they need to know and what do they need to do? Yep, so you can go to mint.com. It's just an email uh, address, um, a password, um, and a zip or a postal code. And that just helps us categorize your transactions more accurately. Uh, then you enter your your bank username and password. It'll pull in your transactions, your balances, your bill due dates, all automatically. It takes about 10 minutes to get set up uh, with all your banks and um, and loans. And then from that point forward, you don't have to do much. You can go and set your budgets and see what you've historically been spending. Uh, but uh, otherwise, it'll pull on all your information on a nightly basis and just tell you what your top five purchases were each week. Um, it'll tell you where you've been spending your money, where you're overspending in particular. And so it's pretty convenient. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us uh, today. I know you have a busy schedule and I'm sure there are lots of people who want to check out Mint. I know when I tweeted that you're coming on the show, uh, you have a lot of fans out there. So uh, keep up the good work. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate that. Mint.com, folks, if you, if you want to go check it out, uh, by all means do. We're almost done, Amber, but we, gotta, we got one more piece of business before <laughs> we get to our, uh, our very strange final video. I want to thank our other sponsor, audible.com, makers of uh, over 75,000 downloadable audiobooks across all kinds of genres, science fiction, nonfiction, periodicals, New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of Net at Night, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. You go to audible.com slash night and try it out. You, do you have a, a pick? I've got one in my back pocket here. You know what is so funny? I was just trying to look up to see if they had this book. I think it's called A Thousand Awesome Things. Um, I, I got to double check. But you go ahead with your pick and I'll see if I can find this. Mine's not necessarily net at night specific. It's just the book that I'm going to start listening to on Audible next. Uh, I just finished up something called Patchwork Nation, which was about how we vary by county across the United States. It was a great read. Uh, I'm going to go into some nonfiction net. Pat Patrick Rothfuss. The Name of the Wind. It's a book that has been recommended to me by so many different people, and I have put off reading it. Uh, this is my chance. I, I've, got, I've got time for an audible book. Uh, I've got time to read a book that I wouldn't have time to read otherwise because I can, I can listen to it in the car. I'd say I, I've read a ton of books since I signed up for audible.com. Uh, so The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss is the one that I'm recommending. Did you find yours? I haven't found it yet, but I found lots of other things. Um, I think that I'm going to do this for my pick because my fiance is the biggest fan in the world of uh, uh, Car Talk. Uh, they have a 12-month subscription to Car Talk. Uh, I always make fun of him, and I, I'm pretty sure we can still do this as a, a pick, and people can get it. It's uh, $19.95 right now on audible.com. Um, are you familiar with the Car Talk? show. Oh yeah. I love those guys. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So uh, that will be my pick for the week just because uh, I've listened to so many uh, episodes and uh, they are just awesome and lots of fun. Audible.com slash night. If you want to try it free and get a free book, it's part of the bargain. Check it out. We thank them for their support. All right. I don't know how to, I don't, I've never done this show before. How do we finish off? 
Well, here's the thing, Tom. When I saw this video that you sent over, I was so deeply disturbed. I think I watched it about three times and I still couldn't figure out what it was all about. I mean, I loved it because it features all of these wacky uh, celebrities from the 1980s and 1990s uh, singing Let It Be. But uh, it took me a while to uh, dig up and uh, find out that it is promoting, I believe, a Norwegian TV show um, that is coming out that's featuring some of these people, if I'm correct. I think the TV show has been out maybe. Uh, it's okay. called Gilm Tider, which I know I'm mispronouncing because I don't know how to pronounce things in Norwegian, but it, it, it means golden times in English. Why they have this string of 50 stars of the 1980s and, and ice skaters and boy bands, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the show's about. I don't know how it relates. It's so bizarre. I mean, it got really weird for me when I was watching the video and I saw Carlton from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> Theo? Um, I know. And, and then it went on from, from there Cosby into Show. a straight Ricky Lake. <laughs> yeah. um, and I thought, is this a benefit video for some It does have that sort or? of we are the world sort of feel to it. We are the world, but, you know. But without any A-list stars. B-list celebrities, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, again, um, there it has been pulled off the internet a number of times. Uh, we have been chasing that, it down for you folks. Though. Yeah, we've been chasing it down and uh, we finally have a version that appears to be uh, still online. So, uh, but I, we do, this is where we say goodbye though, right? And we leave yeah, them with the video. So don't forget, Amber MacArthur, author of Power Friending at powerfriending.com and you can find her on her website, ambermac.com. Any other plugs that I, forgetting, need to, Sneak in. That is pretty good. Um, I do a weekly video podcast called CommandN.TV, but you can yet. find Don't everything I do at AmberMac.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, AmberMac. And I'm usually on Twitter between the hours of about 10 p.m. Eastern and 1 a.m. Eastern uh, while my son is asleep. Those are my power Twitter hours. <laughs> All right. We leave you with the longest promo for any kind of TV show, much less Norwegian, Gilm Tider, a.k.a. Golden Times. Enjoy if you can. You will. It's weird. Times of trouble. Mother Mary. Yes, that is Roger Moore. Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary.